as a coach, you know, you look a little bit further as opposed to counting someone's reps. You look a little bit further as opposed to just putting someone through a gnarly workout and getting them to sweat. My focus is honestly so far from that. It's more, honestly, I've worked, like I'm working more towards that mindset space now and it's really important to me because if you don't do the inner work, if you don't work from the inside out, you're never going to, you know, reap the results that you want and fat loss and all that sort of stuff, that body composition is a byproduct of doing the inner work first. If you don't get that right with your clients or as a whole, like if you're just on a journey, if you're not doing the inner work, you honestly like it won't emit on the outside. Um, and that sounds really harsh and you know, you, a lot of people will go through like a fat loss phase and haven't done the inner work, but that's sustainability of it. Um, so my my biggest outlook is, you know, sustainable results for my clients and, and doing the inner work and focusing on their mindset and how they feel about themselves. What they When they look at themselves, like, what do they say to themselves? What's the first initial words that come to mind? And trying to get them to stray away from the fact that a, a certain number on the scale was never going to make them happy. That was Adriana Verdino. And this is another episode of the Raw with Ollie McNichol podcast. Five, four, three... Roar with Ollie McNichol. Thank you for your patience. Thank you. (laughs) That's fine. Gosh, that was uh, an adventure in itself. Yeah. All right. Again, thank you very much for being here. That's okay. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) It's been, we've experienced a very interesting and exciting time together over the past few couple of months. Yeah. 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 We have. It's been a whirlwind, a really, really awesome sort of adventure. Um, and I'm just so pleased that like I've met such incredible humans um, like yourself and it's just been yeah like when we first met like I haven't actually met you before but like it's like I've known you for ages Mm -hmm. and just like that hug and that embrace is so perfect I love it (laughs) yeah oh absolutely yeah I I truly do feel that it's um it's something that is difficult to explain to just anyone um, and Mm -hmm. really make people understand what we've what we've been through and what we've experienced so in such a short amount of time mm. um yeah it's, that itself says nothing but to us it means everything yeah um yeah yeah but on that note i want to go back to the very first call that we had yeah uh together in the yeah those 60 days we're working together yeah and the question that you asked me is now coming your way do you remember what it was oh goodness Put me on the spot, oh. Um, oh, what was the most euphoric moment? Was it that one? There it is. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, so yeah. <laughs> to you, what, what, is, what was the most euphoric moment either and or, let me say that again. So what was the most euphoric moment of your life and or in the last 60 days? Oh, see, I, now I know what you meant by putting you on the spot, but... <laughs> Most euphoric moment 
for me, um, especially in the last 60 days, I've had a lot of like realizations and all that sort of stuff, but definitely the realization that I genuinely love my life. Like I could sit here and scream it to the rooftops at how much, and there's nothing super standout about it. It's not like I'm like, not that being a billionaire is euphoric or anything like that, but just how content I am with my life, where it's at, where it's going, um, and who's in it as well. So, yeah, I just feel so euphoric around that and I'm so wholesome. Like, it's just ridiculous. So Yeah. Yeah, Is definitely. Is that in the last 60 days? It's definitely been a lead-up from the 60 days, I would dare say. Um, but I think the whole cutting cords um, to our old self and being our higher self has definitely assisted with that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I would definitely say... The 60 days has has made that the most euphoric sort of moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's talk about that for a second. So, yeah, because when you asked me, my answer to, to that question was having that experience of um, that visualization where you were cutting the cords for mm. the younger self, mm-hmm. um, and just entering that consciousness where you were literally looking your younger self in the mm. face. Um, it's not something that anyone really even thinks of as yeah. as something that you experience in life. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned, that was the most euphoric moment for me. Yeah. Um, that, that experience was just... Uh, and it's something that... It's a practice now because we've done mm. it a few times. Um, and it's something that you, you can do on a consistent basis um, or rather whenever you feel as though you need to come to terms with something new or thank your younger self for something mm, that you definitely. that's only just been realised yeah um, yeah that it's was huge, huh? that was huge for me yeah uh, yeah I remember you saying that and at that time I hadn't cut my cord or I didn't really this was like very beginning of Tom Clark so yeah it was I was you know, like that, that was your euphoric moment, but I wasn't aware of like what that entailed. And mm. now I do. And that's my euphoric moment, like cutting those cords with my younger self um, and stepping into the most aligned version of myself now. And I'm like, yeah, I feel mm-hmm. you, Ollie. I feel you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so I want to go back to, it's incredible hearing you say that now because I want to go back to 2013, right? And um, you said in your own words that in that year you made a goal, previously to 2013, you made a goal to be a happier, healthier version of yourself. Mm. Um, And I would love to, I would love for you to speak to that a bit more and kind of tell us where your 2013 Mm -hmm. self, where 2013 Adriana was, um, what it looked like. And yeah. that contrast between then and now, because that's a that's a huge statement and goal to to make uh, in life, and you've absolutely achieved that. Mm. But I really want to hear sort of how that sits with you now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that you've asked that as well. And I, like, my maths is really horrible, but I'm like looking back at 2013. I'm like, damn, that was ages ago. But yeah it's pretty much when it all started and it's it's weird to hear that in like a in context because it's it's been a while mm. it's been a it's been a it's been a really like long but huge process for me in 2013 Adriana was 
a completely different person to who I am now, um, but still a beautiful person as well. So I, I live by the mantra that I never have any regrets in my life or anything like that. And I look back at her um, and with so much love um, and I just want to hug her because of the pain and anger that she used to feel. Um, so I guess 2018 Adriana was overweight for the first part. Um, I was around 102 kilos um, and just a very, I guess, angry and confused soul. Um, you know, I still emitted happiness and all that sort of stuff and I was, you know, quite bubbly and quite outspoken. Um, very outspoken, actually. I was always that... My biggest mantra, not mantra, but stigma was like I was always class clown and I just wanted to be the funny girl at school and I was, um, but I guess it was kind of a bit of a cover up for my, just my anxiety around how I felt around myself and it was kind of just, yeah, me, uh, yeah, covering up about how I actually felt and, and using funniness and, and humour as, yeah, a big cover up as I wasn't very happy with myself amongst a lot of it so I guess the whole health conscious thing came in I was always the bigger girl at school um and not that I was ever ridiculed for it or anything like that but it was just very obvious that I was the bigger girl so um I guess growing up in an I went to an all-girls school as well um it was just very common for girls to to just look at how others were eating or and all that sort of stuff and I'd say in 2013 the health conscious wasn't as big as it is now like it wasn't a huge sort of community um but I was still very aware that I was the bigger girl and that you know in order to lose weight um you know something had to be done about it and I guess you know I I went through a lot of different phases and basically just started getting on a bandwagon and it wasn't I wasn't informed very well. I kind of just went amongst, like, social media sort of things and, and did what I thought and what I saw. Um, but, yeah, I kind of just went on this bandwagon and just kind of went to the gym um, every now and then or got a personal trainer every now and then and just started a, a journey um, in in search of... I wouldn't say self-love. I don't think that's what it was looking for back then. I would definitely say just a, air quote, skinnier body. Um and yeah, it was just a big, big journey in terms of over the years. And through all of that, uh, I would dare say a lot of it was, I don't want to say unhealthy, but it wasn't in a way that was conscious towards my body. Um, you know, there was excess hours of cardio, restrictive, very restrictive eating. Um, and inevitably, you know, that got me to losing 42 kilos um, over that journey of time mm -hmm. and and how long was that uh I would say probably yeah five or six years mm -hmm. like I mean where I am currently now I'm I'm 10 kilos up so if we look back now I've only lost 30 30 to 32 kilos um but yeah it was a, a really big journey and it had it entailed a lot like it entailed you know restrictive eating um disorderly eating um sec like crazy amounts of cardio and and working out and yeah a very strange sort of periods of my life that led to where I was and where I am now um and you know I'm in a good place now um but that's only been quite quite recently as well like I've gone through 
quite a bit um, in terms of eating disorders and um, how I feel and look at myself um, and the way that I speak about myself and just, yeah, a lot of internal, I wouldn't say hatred, but it was just a, a very big internal battle between myself um, for a very, very long period of time. So, yeah, mm. that was, it's been a huge journey and yeah. I, yeah, I love the journey, um, but it, yeah, it's, it's a very, it's very emotional journey for sure. Yeah. I want to put a pin in, um, because you mentioned that at the moment it's only been 30 kilograms you've lost. I want to put a pin in that because obviously there are so many variables and people may not understand. They might hear 30 and think, well, that's not a whole lot, but we'll get, we'll get to that because that's extremely important for, um, everyone to understand, especially people who are, um, or have experienced, um, similar relationships Mm. with themselves and their weight and their body yeah um but yeah if you don't mind me asking do you know what this what that stemmed from those eating disorders do you know where when do you know when it began when it began i would dare say um so the disordered eating started when i was about i would say 19 um and that was yeah probably about two years into my fitness journey um and that's I never looked at it as an eating disorder and that's simply because I was very unaware of what eating disorders entailed. I knew what they were, but it it just never occurred that I was going through one. Um, And that's very common occurrence with people who have eating disorders. It's it's not something that people pick out. It's because they kind of just put it to the shadows and they don't want it to be a light. Um, But I would definitely say from like 18, 19 is when it started, um, the restrictive eating started and you know, eating very minimal and feeling, you know, lean and feeling good in my body, but I was, you know, very stuck in a fight or flight mode. Um, I definitely think it stemmed from, I, when I said, like, I wasn't ridiculed at school, um, I wasn't ridiculed at school, but it was definitely, you know, there were, there were always comments that, you know, Adriana was the big girl or like comments on what she was eating during lunch and all that sort of stuff. And funnily enough, like, my family, I was always called Big A because <laughs> um, I was the, the, the big the big kid. Um, and I did a lot of inner work and I didn't realise that that was a stem for me um, until I realised that, yeah, like as a as a kid, I was actually called Big and, and Fat A and A being for Adriana, but like that was pretty much my, my nickname as a kid, um, which sounds really horrible. And look, I love my family, I do, but and I, I don't think they meant it in that way. Um, but unconsciously, I think that really stuck with me. Um, so, yeah, moving forward, that's why I always didn't, like, felt the need to, to lose the weight. Um, there was aspects that, because I wanted to be a healthier version of myself, but I also wanted to, ridic- like, get rid of that, that stigma and that name as well. So I definitely say that was where it stemmed from. Um, the eating disorder... Yeah, definitely came from the restrictive past of eating. Um, and then, like, so my eating disorder was, uh, I speak in past tense because it's gone, uh, <laughs> um, was bulimia. So I had binge and purge. Um, and I, I remember back, it was probably when I was, yeah, 19 was my first uh, purge. And it was at a birthday party and I... Yeah, had had eaten a, an excessive amount, and it was quite a frequent thing. And that's generally how binges happen. They are an obsessive, sorry, a, a huge amount of food in a short period of time. Um, 
And look, binge eating and purging is very different for a lot of people, you know, whether like how people purge and all that sort of stuff. Um, mine was self-induced vomiting. So that was, you know, my version of purging. And I remember back to a, a birthday party and I think this is generally like, I can't remember, like there may have been a previous time, but that's the first time I remember doing it was at a birthday party. Um, and I did, yeah, I, I self-induced vomit, at, vomited at that party. Um, and I didn't think anything of it. I just, I thought that was an easy way to excavate the food, basically. Um, and then from there, in dribs and drabs, like it was never super, super prominent, but it was always my way um, of escaping um, and getting rid of and expelling that excess food. And then over time, uh, that basically became you know, a really, really strong habit in my life um, and something that I reverted to when I was stressed or upset or angry. Um, and, yeah, it just became really, really habitual in my life. And, you know, it came and, and went, um, but it was still extremely prominent for the most part. So I definitely, um, for, I would say probably last year and the year before that, um, so 2019, 2018 were the two years where it was most prominent in my life. Um, and it was taxing to say the least. It was, it was extremely taxing on my body and mm. more so my mindset. It was something that was happening three to four times per week. Um, a lot in secrecy, um, but something that, you know, my family knew about, but it was just a very touchy subject and I didn't want to speak about it. And when I did, or when I was forced to, um, I would get extremely angry, um, restricted and just, yeah, very closed off. So, yeah, it was um, it was huge. And I, I always have to take, like, big breaths thinking about it because I, I look back on that, Adriana, and I see such sadness um, and how, like, scared and caught up she was in it um, and how closed off from family and friends I became with it as well so yeah <laughs> thank you far out first yeah. of all I just the power and the strength behind your words there mm. um, and you're so the certainty that it's way way in the past mm. um, and it's gone is just that's extremely empowering and, um, mm. and beautiful. So thank you. Um, I did want to, yeah, I, I just wanted to touch on how you were, be, you were being called Big A by those around you. Mm. Literally every single person around you, people at school were talking about the things you're reading and stuff. Yeah. Um, it just cements who you were back then yeah and yeah. obviously like what choice did you have but to be big a yeah that exactly. was you like that was your identity <laughs> you so yeah that's um yeah thank you for sharing that that's it's okay that's incredibly um it's incredible to see you now <laughs> yeah and um yeah. obviously it's not something that we think about anyone anyway but um to see someone performing at your level now like mentally physically spiritually is a really fantastic thing mm. and I'm so glad that you exist in this space Aww, in this Ollie. industry um <laughs> and yeah what a pleasure it is to have you here and, and speaking to those who truly could be in the in the absolute like deep end of it all yeah um and I know that there are people out there. I know, yeah, you know people are out there as well that are 
this this would be hitting home. So yeah. first of all, yeah, thank you so much and yeah. for expressing it with the, the oh, power absolutely. and strength that and you I have. Think that's the most important part is that you know if this can bring to light for someone who is keeping it in the shadows and and wants to to sort it out because it's something that you will keep in the shadows for a really long time because it's scary you don't want to admit it no one wants to admit to an eating disorder um because it's it you feel weak you feel powerless from it um but if this can help anyone you know bring it to light and and seek the right help then yeah I'm stoked. I'd be absolutely stoked. Mm, I'm, I'm certain that it will. Um, so I'm sure people would be wondering now after hearing that, what sparked the change? Mm. What initiated the, the change from there and when? Yeah, so crazily enough, it, it has only been um, since I started with Tom Clark, um, mm. which, you know, I owe a lot to the 60DR group and Tom himself um, but it's always been something that I have actively tried to work on as well um, but have always had lapses or relapses um, and I think it really struck with me when we were asked in that group on the first or the second call is what is your like what is something that your higher self wouldn't do what is the like if you envisioned the best version of yourself what would she not be doing that you're currently doing and the first thing that popped to my head was you know binge and purge because it was so consuming and it was just taking over my life and it was also something that I was very secretive about um and it's something that I never told anyone and the only people that knew were my mum and um one of my close friends uh Alessia so not even my partner Tom knew at the time um, and it was just something that I just kept in the shadows and it was just felt like a dirty secret for a really, really long time, really long time, like five or six years. Um, so, yeah, for me it was just that was my initial thought and when, you know, we spoke about it in the group, that was huge for me. I mean, I hadn't spoken to anyone about it in six years, yet here I was just admitting it to 12 strangers at the time I, I didn't know anyone um but it just felt really compelled to just let it out mm. because once it was out and once I you know said that I was going to let it go that was it I had to um and I was the first one I'm not too sure if you're on that first call but I was the first one to to get on a live we basically had to go in live feed and admit what our our current self was doing that our highest version wouldn't and yeah, well. yeah, I when I said it, I was like, "Holy crap! Like this is it! Like let it out! You know, this is this is you finally letting it go." And part of me was like, "Okay, cool! Like you're just gonna say it, and then you're gonna go and binge and purge later. Like is that what's gonna happen here?" But the moment that I did that live and I I put it out to the world and put it out to to the group, um, it was like this overwhelming sensation of freedom. <laughs> it was crazy because it just no longer felt like a really dirty secret anymore. It was just something that was out in the air and I was open about it and it, I felt like a human again, not this person that just had to hide and succumb to her eating disorder. Um, so the moment I did that in the live and then basically I, I did an Instagram post and I just told the world. I put it out to my 2,000 followers that 
I'm Adriana and I suffered with an eating disorder for six years of my life and this is me freaking letting it go. Like, I don't want to do it anymore. Um, and with that came a crazy response of just people who were either going through the same thing or were just so thankful that it, I had the power and I had the confidence to come out with it. Um, and, yeah, just that, that sensation of freedom, I think was really what helped is that you know there are other people out there struggling and the fact that I had a voice and I had the voice to come out and say that you are not alone um was really really compelling for me and a lot of other people as well so since then I've just had I don't even think about it anymore and I I'm not fearful that it's not that easy like you know it may may not be that easy for some other people um but knowing that I think the, the biggest part is knowing that it doesn't have to be a secret and that it's not, you know, it doesn't make you any less of a person. It just makes you, like, you just need to find help. You just need to find the right people that understand your situation. Um, and everyone around me was so welcoming about it. I mean, my partner, like, my biggest fear, I guess, was that people would treat me differently. Um, you know, whether that be, you know, hiding foods in the house or anything like that. That was my biggest fear. I didn't want that. And that's not what I received. As soon as I spoke about it and I had that conversation with my partner and my family, it was just so much overwhelming, like, support. Mm. But not in the sense that it was just like they were tiptoeing or stepping on eggshells. It was just overwhelming love and support. And that's all I needed to know that, you know, I have that support. And now I just feel so free from it all. Like, it's just, it's just a thing of the past. And it was a big part of my past, of course, but, you know, something that no longer dictates who I am, mm. for sure. Beautiful. <laughs> um, and for those who are looking for that video, correct me if I'm wrong, but was it, that one was titled This One's For Me, right? Yeah. Was it that one? Yeah. Um, in August, that was. Yeah. This one's for me, a raw conversation, mm. which was funny. Yeah. I, I, I saw that when I was doing my homework and I was like, hey, this is perfect. Yeah. A raw conversation. Mm. Um, yeah, I did watch that. And mm. yeah, absolutely beautiful. If, yeah, for anyone who wants to see more, absolutely check out Adriana's page. And, um, and that video is pretty much what we're touching on here. Yeah. But um, it's her own conversation. So it's, yeah, it's mm. very, very inspiring and moving. Um, yeah, and I did want to also mention that, so we, we speak of Tom Clark a lot. So mm. on these podcasts, he comes up quite often. He does. He's um, just like a little wizard. He just pops yeah. up at all times. <laughs> yeah. Um, and especially the groups and communities that he has created, mm. um, where you can jump into and as you explained, you, you spoke about something that you that you haven't been able to in the past um and because you're speaking to such like-minded and open-minded um incredible people that are on a a similar journey of in, enlightenment and change mm. that's the group that you need to be around to tell your um your your experiences and your your goals to because it's not that they keep you accountable, but because you've told people that you know, understand what it is to, to make huge changes. Yeah. It's like, 
well, I've told them I'm going to do this. Like yeah. we're all making changes ourselves. So yeah. I'm absolutely going to, yeah. Yeah, it was like, it wasn't, yeah, it was like that community feeling like, yeah, if I did it again, I would let down myself, but I'd also let down 12 freaking incredible people mm. as well. Um, and I just couldn't do that. And I still can't do that. I'm still like, we 60 DR is over for us, but still to this day, like not only would I let down myself, but like, I just know that that would hurt the group as well. It's like all of us, like we all had to give up something that we wouldn't do in the highest version of ourselves. And I know each and every one of us is still killing that. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, it's that's an awesome community. To have that community is massive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, as I said, thank you so much for touching on those those yeah. subjects. It's yeah, I understand how challenging it can be. Mm. Um, I want to jump to your experiences with traveling because you, in the past, obviously before we were in lockdown. You were a huge traveler and mm. a lot of that was solo traveling and um, mm. doing things independently. Yeah. Um, tell me about your relationship with and your at-homeness with Bali because oh. that's something that you've spoken about a lot. Yeah, I have a really, really solid connection to Bali in the sense that it just feels like home to me. Um, I'm in love with the place. I'm in love with the people um, and just the the aura that it gives my body. Um, so I've gone there solo three times um, and I've gone with my partner Tom as well. Um, and it's just a place of wholesome for me and I just feel completely at peace when I'm there. Um, and I think anyone that's gone to Bali knows just the just the way it makes you feel. Um, and for me, it's, it's what you make it as well. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people will go there and it's like a party sort of vibe and, and all that stuff. For me, it's just finding my inner self. Um, and when I travel solo, I, I don't know, I just never have a fear in the world. I mean, my parents do, for sure. Um, but when I'm, when I'm there, I just feel completely and utterly myself. Um, and have the ability to just do a lot of inner work. I did a lot of um, like retreat sort of stuff. I went and did, I just did a lot of yoga, did a lot of meditation and stuff like that. Um, and just a place for me to really switch off um, and, and switch on to myself, I guess, as well. So, mm. yeah, just infatuated with Bali. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you feel like you're able to achieve that same sort of um, freedom here now with the with the uh, sort of growth that you've experienced in the past? Yeah, like, yeah, I think for me, I always, and I love traveling. I will always love traveling. Um, but I think that a lot of it came down to me wanting to escape as well. Um, you know, I worked a lot um, back then. I used to work in hospitality. I worked in hospitality for seven years and I just felt like I needed an escape. I was really good at hospitality, um, but it was very mentally and physically taxing um, as a whole. So I always felt like I needed that escape um, and Bali was definitely that for me or just traveling in general. Um, now, like, I'm, yeah, of course I want to travel, but I'm so infatuated with my life here that it no longer seems like oh, I need to get away. Um, you know, we've, I've gone on holidays. I recently just came back from Queensland, but, you know, that was just us getting away. Mm. Um, it wasn't because I felt like my life here was so, like, draining that I needed it. Um, 
So I definitely feel like I have the ability to just, yeah, uphold my life now and I don't need it as an escape. Um, Unfortunately, Bali's probably out the cards for (laughs) God knows how long. Um, But I don't feel... I feel sad about it, but I don't feel like it's going to you know, be imperative in my life as well. So, mm. yeah. 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 Um, so, we had a quick little break there and, yeah, a, and a wardrobe <laughs> change. <laughs> it's cold. Um, yeah, right. So, before we stopped for a second, we were talking about how you were in hospitality. We haven't even spoken about what you're doing now. Mm. So, yeah, let's go there. What are you doing now? And yeah. when did that begin? Because that's that's kind of the big journey you've been on yeah. um, since all of that. Yeah. So currently I am a personal trainer and health coach. Um, and I was very broad with my niche prior to 6CDR, but we definitely honed that in. So I currently uh, work with women. Um, who are learning to love themselves again, basically. Learning to love the relationship with their body, their mind, um, and especially food as well. So that's definitely my niche. um, And simply because I empathise with that and women who are going through that sort of self-loathing towards their body and especially towards food as well. So that's definitely been uh, more of a recent swap over. I was just more of a... I don't want to say generic PT before, um, but I was just, you know, trying to find my feet. And I've been doing that since January this year. So I've been uh, in the fitness industry working uh, for, yeah, 10 months now. So I pat myself on the back. I'm doing really well um, and I'm so, so passionate about it. Like I just am so in love with what I do. Um, And that's simply because I, I, you know, I cannot wait to see women realize how much they can love themselves and the relationship they can have with food um and watch that unfold is yeah everything to me so that's why I basically got into the industry um and to be honest like I've been you know working out for a long time now and I've always been into fitness and and my own journey um but I never really thought I could make a a living out of it um just from a monetary aspect I always thought you know as a personal trainer it's just like a side thing Um, and that stems from me working in hospitality so I worked in hospitality for seven years Um, yeah a really long time ever since I yeah could work I've always been in like a hospitality sort of industry Um, and I worked my way up I did a really really I did the hard yards I started you know as a barista um at the Crown Plaza in Adelaide and worked my way up to restaurant manager and then worked my way up to uh, conferencing and events manager as well. So, mm. yeah, it was it was huge and it was something that I was great at um, but I felt like I was just doing to uphold the name um, of, you know, restaurant manager or conferencing and events manager and whilst I was good at it, it never felt like it really landed with me and it was something that I loved telling people and my family loves telling people because who doesn't want to be the kid that's got the the good job mm-hmm. um and I you know I'm saying that now I'm like rolling my eyes because <laughs> whatever but yeah it was something that never really landed with me um or aligned to me and it was something that you know I was working six days a week 14 hours a day um and then still trying to balance my fitness lifestyle as well and that's when everything was just so intense and restrictive and full-on for my life um 
when I was juggling that job as well. Um, so I only not got rid of, but you know, left that job in December last year um, when I, you know, decided to pursue personal training um, and becoming a health coach. So it's been the best decision of my life. It was terrifying. Um, to say the least, um, because that was my whole identity. Mm. I was Adriana, the restaurant manager, Adriana, the conferencing and events manager, and, you know, she had fitness on the side and she looked like she had it all down packed. Um, but, you know, lo and behold, I was crumbling on the inside, absolutely crumbling. Um, my body was just consistently in fight or flight mode for, wow. a, yeah, a very long period of time. Yeah, right. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, you mentioned um, you were kind of stuck with it because of the role or the name, mm. kind of that role and, and, and name that everyone knew you had. Let's go to now. So you've, um, you've spoken about how you said in your own words, I don't want to be your personal trainer. I want mm. to be your coach. Yeah. Let's, let's kind of create contrast between the two. Yeah. And yeah. I'd love for you to speak to that and kind of explain why why you prefer coach over personal trainer yeah well I guess it's a big one these days I mean personal trainer to me what I always thought it was was just taking someone through a workout um, and you know that's what I, I always thought that the job entailed and it is for a personal trainer but as a coach we look a lot deeper um, I have you know my clients mean the absolute world to me their journeys mean the absolute world to me and I can't wait for them to realise that they are so much more than just a workout. Um, and as a coach, you know, you look a little bit further as opposed to counting someone's reps. You look a little bit further as opposed to just putting someone through a gnarly workout and getting them to sweat. My focus is honestly so far from that. It's more, honestly, I've worked, like I'm working more towards that mindset space now and it's really important to me because if you don't do the inner work, if you don't work from the inside out, you're never going to, you know, reap the results that you want. And fat loss and all that sort of stuff, that body composition is a byproduct of doing the inner work first. Mm. If you don't get that right with your clients or as a whole, like if you're just on a journey, if you're not doing the inner work, you honestly, like it won't emit on the outside. Um, and that sounds really harsh and, you know, you, a lot of people will go through like a fat loss phase and haven't done the inner work, but that sustainability of it. Um, so my my biggest outlook is, you know, sustainable results for my clients and, and doing the inner work and focusing on their mindset and how they feel about themselves. What they When they look at themselves, like what do they say to themselves? What's the first initial words that come to mind? And trying to get them to stray away from the fact that a, a certain number on the scale was never going to make them happy. I think the, the biggest question I always ask my clients is if you were your, your, your goal weight tomorrow, would you still be happy? Would you, you know, would you love your mindset around food? Would you love your relationship with your body still if you mm. were that goal weight? And nine times out of ten, it's a no, mm. which just goes to show that that inner work is so much more important than getting someone to a certain number. Um, and just being on a journey with them, knowing that, Yes, I'm there for accountability and no, I'm not there to create a codependency, but having that person that understands and empathises heavily with, you know, I work with a lot of general population that are, you know, just starting out in the gym or just starting their journey and stuff like that. Um, and that's the people that I, I want to work with because, you know, I've been there and I understand what it's like in that very, very beginning of it all. Um, 
and yeah, just not so much holding their hand, but you know, coaxing them the right path, basically. So, mm. yeah, that that for me is the difference between you know a coach and a PT, and I. I I don't. I feel like I'm not entitled to say it because I've been in the industry only ten months. But then I'm also like, no, I I ream coach. Like I am a coach, mm-hmm. and I'm not a personal trainer because I've done the inner work myself. I further educated myself, and I'm still further educating myself like every single day. Um, so yeah, like I can differentiate the two. And there's yeah. people who have been in the industry for five or six years, and they're still kind of just. I don't want to say plodding along, but mm. just being that role of a PT. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess I I feel a little bit iffy when I differentiate myself from a PT as a coach. Um, but then I'm just like, nah, Adriana, like, you, you do the work. I've yeah. done the work. So, I can be a coach. I am a coach. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and just the, yeah, coach itself holds so much more. Yeah. Um, because you can have a coach um, within the gym. You can have a coach for your personal development, your, yeah, um, yeah spirituality. Um, but, yeah, personal trainer is very um, kind of homed in on that one understanding of it um, yeah. being you walk into a commercial gym and you pay 45 bucks to 60 bucks for um, a session that you absolutely could have done at home yeah um, yeah so that I, yeah it absolutely makes sense coach holds so much more power I think yeah, yeah um, absolutely and also your your journey of becoming that coach and being that coach started long before you got that qualification like mm. what even is that especially now and what you see in the industry yeah. um you people wouldn't even know people don't know but i have my diploma as well mm. um i don't speak about it because um well for one when i see what is out there and no disrespect no mm. disrespect no, not at all. we're all where we are like that's that's cool um but what i what I realized was I'm not really all that proud of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not something I'm like, oh, yes, like, yeah, I'm, I'm a PT. I got my qualification. Like, mm. it's more so, I don't know. I, I thought that was what I was wanting to do as well until I saw how the industry kind of was. Mm. And I just accepted I'm not ready to try to step into that world and separate myself um and i yeah I'd, at that point in time and i was a little bit younger i just wasn't ready for that and yeah. um yeah so absolutely like so much respect for people like yourself um and yeah people like dylan taylor mm. everyone that was a part of the um the 60 days uh, yeah all the people that are close to us yeah huge respect and everyone else outside of that as well that is taking it to a level that's beyond just PT and yeah. what that holds. And I'm really excited because I think, especially in Adelaide and, and I know further beyond like Australia, that it's becoming quite prominent, you know. And, you know, that should be the goal now as opposed to being a PT. That should be the coach sort of like mentality. Mm. And that's going to change people's lives because you're looking so much further than just getting someone into a workout. You're looking at their relationship with themselves and their mentality and their spirituality. And that relationship 
is so important. Like, if you do not love yourself, you cannot admit that on the outside and you cannot, you know, accept love either. Mm. So, you know, having coaches like Adelaide, you know, we've got we've got quite a few and we're really lucky in that sense. You know, there's it's you know, it's it's prominent with us. Um, but I think it's changing and to see it change and see the industry that is so saturated um, slowly changing and people becoming more educated and, and, and working with their clients on a deeper level um, is so, so good to see. Mm-hmm. It's so good to see, honestly. Yeah. I, be- feels- I believe that it's, it's, on, it's on the way up as yeah. well. I have belief yeah. and, um, yeah, I have faith that it's all, like, things are getting better. Yeah. Like, I think they are. I think they are. I think <laughs> things are getting better. Um, they have to. They can't go backwards. <laughs> exactly. There's not much further back that they can go. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of really good examples of that. Um, and initiators like um, even just everyone knows like David Attenborough getting on Instagram. Yeah. I knew this from the get-go, but as soon as we saw that, it was like people are going to start listening. Mm-hmm. People are going to start realizing that, yes, their individual actions and decisions do have an impact yeah oh Um, yeah that's huge yeah so i believe that things are getting better and why not yeah of course why not even through the midst of a pandemic like yeah uh, things are growing great you Mm -hmm. know what i mean and that's like that's not selfish to say i think that you know the world has come so far Mm -hmm. in terms of what we've gone through personally or as a like collectively as a, as a world but mm-hmm. yeah I just I don't know this year has been so full of growth for so many people um and it's kind of been forced you've kind of been forced to grow mm-hmm. um because of everything that's going on so yeah I don't know I'm not mad about it yeah I love it I totally <laughs> feel that and I don't know people might hear that and think that we're they might think like, oh yeah, you're in you're in Adelaide, like mm. things are all good and obviously taking into account like all the all the very serious uh, and unfortunate things that have happened quite recently yeah. around the world, um, it's also taking those things into account and having the belief that we're learning mm. and we're growing. Yeah, I think just Having that belief about it is is the best thing that you could possibly do. Like, yeah, we could sit here and be like, um, we could say like, oh yeah, we're very lucky, but you know, the rest of the world is suffering. Or we could say, we are extremely fortunate and we understand like mm. what has been going on, going on around the world, but we're learning and, I, and we truly believe that yeah. we're going to, to get to a point where some great, great changes are I made. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, interesting. We come to uh, yeah. So the the differentiation um, between PT and coach. Mm. Um, in 2018, you uh, you said that you were grinding hard during the week and even harder on the weekends. Mm. Was that the PT talking? Like what? Because when I see what you've gone through now. Mm. Um, kind of accepting rest and relaxation Mm, I'm not going to speak for you but how does it um, yeah let's speak to that yeah (laughs) I think when I look back at those are they the like my posts and Mm -hmm. stuff yeah so 
that definitely comes down to my restrictive past or my all or nothing past. I had a very, very fixed all or nothing mindset back then um, that grinding during the week and then grinding even harder on the weekend. And this is where that fight or flight mode would always set in. Um, in terms of like my mentality and how I structured my days back then, it was basically I would do like an F45 class or something like that in the morning. Um, which was like a high intensity class. I would then go to work and work anywhere between 12 to 14 hours on my feet all day um, in hospitality. And then after that, I would go to the gym um, and do like a solid weight session. So that was pretty much every single day, seven days a week. Um, and that saw such, uh, just wreaked absolute havoc on my body um, because I was just too scared to rest. I was just so caught up in the fact that I needed to be go, go, go. I just needed to have this outlook that if I rested, I was weak. Um, and this is how I maintained such a lean physique for such a long period of time. But I didn't realize that it was just my body screaming at me. It was like, Adriana, dude, settle down. Um, and amongst all that, I was eating the bare minimal as well. I was probably eating anywhere between like 900 to 1,000 calories a day. Um, 22,000 steps a day and two workouts and I actually said this recently to to my partner it's just like what like how does that even and it's just so common as well like there are so many people who are currently doing that um, eating the bare minimal working out two to three times a day and you know they're the people I want to work with because I want to show them that rest and recovery is your best friend and it's honestly taken me so, so long to realize that. It's probably this year, if anything, um, that once you rest and once you recover and once you give yourself time mentally to relax, that's when you start flourishing. That's when everything starts coming together for you. Um, and I guess, like, if I were to speak to myself back in 2018 and say that, I would literally just laugh. Um, because I was so caught up in that mentality that grind was everything and that working out seven days a week was like what I needed to sustain my current like body but if anything like my body has relaxed and calmed down and yes I've put on body fat and yes I'm completely okay with it but that came with recovery as well um with an eating disorder I mean I was ridiculously low weight um eating the bare minimal striving for that lean shredded physique at all times now I just want to be healthy hmm. um, I just want my body to feel good and I want to feel good and I do feel good and I can't wait to show the world that they can feel good too you know eating higher calories you know training four to five times per week when you feel good and when you feel optimal like and it's slowly getting there like we just spoke about like it's changing you know what I mean like that higher calorie vibe and and you know training you know smarter not harder and all that sort of stuff we're getting there um but it's still extremely prominent and I still see it quite frequently especially with like a lot of new clients as well so yeah it's just um it's a world of change 2018 Adriana was go big or go home and 2020 Adriana was like nah I'm gonna chill mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, how about 2019? Let's go to Feb 2019 and you were three and a half weeks out of your first, was that your first show? Is yeah. That right? yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tell us, tell us briefly about that experience. Um, I think competing, I, I've done a few videos on these and, and a few 
posts and whatnot, but I don't think I've ever really spoken about how detrimental competing was to me. Um, I really respect the sport and I know obviously firsthand what it takes to, to get down to that physique um, and, and the effort that you need to put in to get there as well. Um, unfortunately, if you're not in the right headspace or you don't have a good relationship with yourself or food, um, competing is, is never, ever going to help you. It's going to dig that hole ten times deeper. And um, competing for me, I, I never even thought about it until I was approached by a coach, air quote coach, um, <laughs> um, and basically stated that they wanted to put me on stage. Um, and this was simply because I was already lean. I was already pretty much stage ready. I held that figure for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Just needed, and my prep was only eight weeks long. Wow. Yeah. So I was, you know, I held that physique. And that's not normal, so people understand. That no, is, yeah. no, no, no. Your prep should be around anywhere between 18 to 24 weeks. So I was pretty much stage lean and stage ready. Um, I just needed to dial it in a little bit more and just change my training a little bit. So in hindsight, when someone's prep's supposed to be 18 to 24 weeks and you dial that into eight weeks, you don't have enough time for that mindset to really switch on. It's very restrictive and I was already restrictive. So, and this was, I still had my eating disorder heavily through this. Um, And something I've never really spoken about is, and I feel not so much like a fraud, but I feel, I do a little bit. It's quite, I felt very dishonest with myself and a lot of people is that through my prep, that small eight weeks, I still had my binging excessively and purging excessively, probably three to four times per week. Mm. Um, And it just felt awful because yeah. I was in such a restrictive stage and I was eating so minimal but then I would just have these obviously because it was so restrictive these binge and purge episodes so frequently um, that when I got, got on that stage whilst I looked like a literal string bean I just felt like a fraud because these other girls around me had worked so hard for 18 to 24 weeks plus I had a girl next to me on stage who'd done her prep for 32 weeks and I just felt like in the just the worst headspace and and it was just yeah look I have no regrets about it Mm. I don't regret a single thing in this world but it's definitely something that it's not that I'm not proud of it but it's not something I I show to light much um yes it's on my Instagram yes it's you know I've, I've done it but it's not something I speak much about because it's not a period of my life that I feel most proud of mm. for sure coming out of it I didn't have my coach um, I was basically just left in the dark um, and for anyone that's competed or understands competing well that's your most like that's the scariest part you know that reverse diet and not knowing what's going on with your calories or your meals and all that sort of stuff so Coming out of it, I went straight back into my restrictiveness, um, eating bare minimal, training two to three times per day. Um, you know, I, I maintained that lean physique for a, for a substantial amount of time still um, until inevitably I, you know, started eating normally um, and started putting on weight, um, which is completely normal. But in my head, um, my restrictive mindset, um, it was just, you know, the worst thing in the world. And that's when I would dare say my eating disorder got pretty, 
pretty bad um, and quite prominent and a lot more excessive as well. Um, and that, yeah, took over and that's why 2019, 2018, 2019 and, you know, the most part of 2020 as well was, was really awful um, and really challenging in terms of the eating disorder. So, yeah, I can't stress enough. I mean, I don't work with athletes or people who are getting on stage or anything like that just because it's not my niche. But it's something that is just needs to be so prominent and installed in people's minds that if you're not in any well relationship with yourself or food or mindset competing is never going to be the answer for you Mm. unfortunately Mm. and it honestly like I mean I came second and third but the amount of like the amount I lost in comparison to a small plastic trophy Mm. is so unworth it it's Mm -hmm. so not worth it at all Mm. yeah massive massive Uh, I'm so glad you shed some light on that Mm. Um, yeah that's a that's going to be great information for for anyone Mm. Um, yeah no that's awesome Um, so you did touch on it briefly but what we put a pin in before was the difference between having say 900 to 1000 calories per day training twice a day for seven days a week versus 2,000 to to 2,500 calories Mm. per day training once a day for five days a week. So you've experienced both Mm -hmm. and yeah, can can you touch on that a little bit more? Yeah, so I, goodness, I... I was terrified of eating more Um, and it's very common. It's extremely common. Um, But the fact of the matter is, is that, yeah, your body, like I didn't realize it at the time, but my body was literally screaming out to me. And yes, I upholded a really lean physique, but my body, I I think the biggest thing was that I lost my menstrual cycle for five years and I'm still constantly battling. Like I'm working on it and I'm still, you know, working with a naturopath and, and doctors to try and get that back. But I just let it go. I let it slide. You know, I wasn't feeding my body for, for my output especially, but even just for, as a whole, as a human. Like, you shouldn't be eating 900 to 1,000 calories. Like, that's the bare, bare minimal. And, you know, increasing my calories, it took a really long period of time. Um, and it was nothing that happened overnight. And sometimes, you know, I mean, I'm okay now, but to the better half of this year, like, it was still something that I was trying to get my head around until... I started increasing my calories and started eating more and inevitably just started feeling really good um, in terms of working out, in terms of just energy, in terms of libido, and in terms of all this sort of stuff, my mood, everything um, just completely changed. And until you start consecutively eating more and training less, which to a lot of people sounds really strange because it's very prominent in this world to see eat less, do more. Um, Mm. And that's just a huge, huge sort of stigma that a lot of people have. Um, But really trying to, you know, contrast that with basically eat more, do less. Um, And it just doesn't land with a lot of people. But once they start seeing those results, and that's what it took for me, is start seeing how good I can feel, how ample I can feel, and how less restrictive I can feel. Um, and it came a lot with, you know, my, my relationship with my current partner is that, you know, I was in the first half of it terrified. Every time we went out for dinner, I was, 
I was the girl who just got a chicken salad and no dressing and all that sort of stuff. And I'm not saying I don't eat that now because, you know, I have goals and sometimes, you know, I will get a chicken salad, mm. but I'll also go out and get a pizza mm-hmm. or a burger mm-hmm. or whatever I, whatever I feel like. And I never, ever would have done that before. And that freedom, just in that, to go out and order what you want off a menu and not worry about the macros or if this is going to fit or if I'm going to blow out from this or this is going to cause a binge episode. Um, Because a lot of the times it did. If I went out, I would have that mentality of I blew it. It's Mm -hmm. over. And that's a very, very common theme um, for people who have binge eating disorders or just eating disorders or disorderly eating in general is that if they eat one bad meal, that's it. Like KO, you've done, you've out, like you've outdone everything that you've ever worked for, and then it's just the episode that leads after that. Um, yeah, there's repercussions after saying I blew it. Yeah. 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 Basically. So, yeah, I just think that the freedom that I have now is something that I want to share with the world. That that relationship with food is huge like you don't need to be fearful and it's easier said than done I completely completely resonate with that but you no longer need to fear anything like we're human like Mm -hmm. we're we're on this earth to enjoy it whether it be the food the company anything we're here to enjoy it and if you lead a life that's so restrictive and so just like ridiculed with fear it's just not a life that you you want to live for long um, and that's definitely, you know, I've, I've lived that and mm. I've, I've been there and from where I am now, you know, up 10 kilos and, and feeling, you know, great. Like who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, I love myself. I can honestly just sit here and say, yes, I'm 10 kilos up from March last year, but who cares? <laughs> that's more of me to love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> that's so good. That's what I live by anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> That's so good. I, yeah, I think that that is a, a beautiful way to come to a close. But um, just a few rapid-fire questions. So mm-hmm. in 2019, you quoted Troy Bolton in saying, get your head in the game. What's a quote that you hold uh, close to your heart now? Um, oh, God, I know it, I know it, I know it. It's um, this too shall pass. Mm, and why? Because this too shall pass like (laughs) it is something that whatever you're going through in terms of your life or your mindset or whatever it is it may be rough right now but there's always brighter days there is always going to be a brighter day and I know in the moment it can be really really hard to see that or understand that but there is always a better outcome Um, Mm. and it's not something that just happens you do have to work towards it you do have to do inner work but whatever you're going through right now is is just in the moment Um, in the grand scheme of things like your life is so freaking beautiful you live such a glorious life like we are so blessed (laughs) I'm looking out right now and I'm like all I see is blessed all I feel is blessed and it can seem quite wishy-washy Sometimes when you hear that, um, especially if you're going through a a pretty dark place, but I want to be that light, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I want to be that light that people can see that there is better days. Mm -hmm. You know, I've gone through the ringer. I've been there, but but I'm on top of it now, you know? And that's why you have that contrast. Yeah. Because you have been there. Mm -hmm. You have seen those dark places. Yeah. And 
yeah, it's from people like you that we need to hear we are so blessed and really take that on. Yeah. Because, yeah, you've, you've seen both sides. Yeah. You've seen the dark and you've seen the light and you Sometimes understand. Sometimes you need to, though, as well, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't be the coach I am now if I hadn't seen those. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. 100%. Um, what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? I just want to hug her, mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly. I I would honestly just tell her much the same is that there will be better days. Um, and this eating disorder especially doesn't define you. Um, no one thinks it's dirty or deceiving. And you're going to make a fucking means of yourself. <laughs> like, you're going to make it. Like, you, you need to put in the work, but you're going to make it. You know, those darker days saw many many even suicidal thoughts for a long period of time so from like from where she was to where I am now just absolutely reaming and loving life yeah I just want to hug her and tell her like we got this I love it yeah I love it <laughs> what's something that the that you believe that others think is insane oh, oh. if anything we can come back to it um Probably that, like, I don't know, the, the, the weirdest one, the first one that comes to my head is that cottage cheese should just be eaten with a spoon. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but i just absolutely obsessed with cottage cheese and just eating it straight from I'm the I'm certain top. that there'd be a lot of people that don't think that's insane. Oh, um, but I love it. That's good. Uh, <laughs> uh, what obsessions outside of work do you have? Well, that's a really good one. Mm. I guess it's it's a little bit more challenging to say my passion is my work. Um, it wasn't for a long period of time when hospitality was, was prominent, but I would dare say just enjoying... I'm such a homebody. I'm What's s- a weird obsession you have? Weird obsession? I love doing housework. Okay, that's weird, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I get, it's like <laughs> therapy to me, like... My partner was just like, he's like, oh, we'll do it together. And I was like, no, I got this. Like, I'm good. Like, I really, like, I don't know. It's just, yeah. And I come that, it stems from my mum. Like, she was an OCD. She was always in my bedroom at like 6 a.m., like vacuuming. <laughs> so I guess it kind of stems from that. But yeah, it's just so therapeutic to me. Like, yep. a clean, like, I'm very big on a clean environment, and my environment dictates how I feel. So I'm very, very big with making sure my environment. So yeah, therapeutic to me. I love it. Yeah. How good. Yeah, no, you know what? That does make sense. And those, yeah. And sometimes you just get kind of, I don't know, you start and then you're like, this is sick. And you're oh. just like, you're, you're cleaning and yeah. that, the, like for the whole day. Chuck some jams on, you're good yeah. to go. Yeah, absolutely. Just there for it. Yeah. Um, all right, wicked. So to finish off, is there any ask or request uh, for the audience or parting words? from yourself Adriana I would dare say as amongst like everything that we've spoken about is that if you are going through a rough period it doesn't have to be an eating disorder or anything like that but knowing that there is a light um, and reaching out to those directly around you I think once you you have the ability to speak out to the ones that you love or your immediate family or people that are directly around you every single day once they understand what you're going through um, it's a huge weight off your shoulders and it can be really daunting in the beginning to really let that out 
to those around you because that judgment, that fear of judgment is huge. But once you realize that these people are here for you and there's people that love you and they understand what you're going through, um, whatever darkness that you're currently going through, it can be, you know, lifted, lifted, definitely. So if there's, yeah, definitely one piece of information I want to omit to the world is that, you know, speak out speak up to the ones that you know mean the most because they want to help you they want to support you and yeah there's better days Mm -hmm. is that your request as well in a way yeah i think so i think so i think that's a i think that's an awesome request yeah um yeah that's that's fantastic and also we need to understand and from a young age we need to be taught that we truly are this may sound cliche because it's it's thrown around so much but my biggest realization over the past few years was we literally can only love people as much as we love ourselves and yeah. i actually had a very christian you know who i'm talking about but um a very uh a very special and a very special conversation with someone who uh, was hesitant about coming to the retreat, the event, the, the Raw Tribal Retreat, because he felt as though him doing that was a selfish thing and that it would it would burden his family in a way and that him doing that would mean that he wouldn't be able to provide financial support for his uh, children. Anyway, I... <laughs> We spoke about how, because his his biggest thing was he wants to be the best dad ever, right? Mm. But he wasn't loving himself. And having this conversation just kind of, I think it turned around a lot for him. But yeah, I helped him understand the fact that he will love his kids as much as he loves himself. And he thought that he loved them immensely then, but to realize and know that he had so much more to give because he had so much more to give to himself. Yeah. That just turned things around for him. So that kind of speaks to what you what you ended with there in your request. But, yeah. I love that, Ollie. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited for your raw retreat, by the way. My God. Yep. I, God. <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be incredible. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sweet. Well, we will finish there once again. Thank you so much for doing this. No, thank you for having me on. It's honestly such a privilege. Like, I think, like, what you do and I, you know, obviously through 60DR and I didn't know you previously, but, yeah, you're a shining light, Holly. I can't oh, wait Adriana. to see you shine. <laughs> oh, thank you. And you too. And is there anything else coming for you? What's next? Where can people find you? Um, uh, let yeah. us know. So I am on socials on Instagram as Adriana underscore Verdino. Um, it's just, you know, that's just me being my real raw self. Um, it is like in like the same as my my coaching page so there as a whole um but yeah I just you know I just want to admit to the world and I I do through like my posts and I know that a lot of people resonate but yeah that's just where I'm at and that's where I want to be and I just want to touch touch people's hearts and people's lights and and that's just where I'm at yeah Adriana (laughs) so much love thanks Ollie all right thanks guys peace (laughs) 